March 29, 2020. This is the All-American Podcast, and I'm your host, Paul C. Wright. Today, I want to talk to you about the American home and family security considerations. As the coronavirus national emergency continues, the breakdown of America's economy continues, with state and local authorities across the country ordering, unconstitutionally, I might add, all so-called non-essential businesses to close. They are ordering closed public schools, which of course they have the right to close, but they're also ordering closed private schools and everything else from restaurants and bars to churches, gun stores, and retail outlets. The only people really working at full capacity and getting full pay for that matter are really government employees that is, public servants who are supposed to be serving you, many of them the very ones ordering you to close your business, along with government contractors, and, of course, those that are very much needed in fields of medical care, construction, farming, food production and services, transportation, hardware, and law. Sports and entertainment, along with restaurants, bars, gyms, and other things deemed non-essential, have been shuttered, leading to a tsunami of unemployment claims. Unemployment money that you get when you file for unemployment only goes so far, of course, and it looks as if many of the states that are paying out unemployment right now are going to have their entire unemployment funds completely wiped out. So many of these people who are relying on funds delivered from the Families First Act, which was passed last week to give those affected by the virus and unemployment some financial relief, they're going to rely on those funds, but a public bailout of $1,200 being given to anyone making $75,000 or less really only goes so far. The money is not going to last, so we are therefore looking to a rather severe economic time in the near future. If the impacts from the virus tail off in another month and businesses are able to resume normal operations, we'll still take a hit, though we will have avoided a major collapse. If, however, this national emergency continues for another two or three months or more, well, look out. We're going to have to rebuild civilization when all is said and done. Perhaps that's a bit hyperbolic, but think about the restaurant industry alone. The restaurant industry sales were around $863 billion last year in 2019. That's nearly 4% of the U.S. gross domestic product. The restaurant industry employed over 15 million people in 2019, and that's about 1 in 10 working Americans. This is absolutely huge, not just because much of that money will be lost from the economy, but because the people who would have earned that money at those jobs won't be spending much, if anything at all, beyond money spent for their basic necessities. People in all industries who are unemployed, waitstaff, bartenders, physical fitness trainers, daycare providers, pilots, flight attendants, baggage loaders, janitors, hotel employees, cruise line employees, amusement park and movie theater staff, and on and on and on. Just think about this. They are not going to be able to pay their rent or their mortgage, their utility bills, or medical bills. 
nor are they going to spend on other things such as entertainment themselves. So this is going to have a massive ripple effect throughout the entire economy. We're talking about the potential evaporation of hundreds of billions of dollars along with dramatic tax revenue decreases and imploding 401k plans and pension funds. The effect on the economy would be nothing short of catastrophic, and the longer that this goes on, the higher the likelihood you will see a spike in criminal activity as people get stressed out and restless and aggravated and suffer mental breakdowns and seek to provide for themselves and their families by any means necessary when the supplies run out. Higher crime is all but inevitable if this emergency continues beyond another couple of months. So let's hope it doesn't come to that, but it may. This is a worst case scenario really, but you must consider this possibility. And you therefore need to take the security of your home and your family very seriously in this time. And indeed, in good times and bad, you should always be prepared. Now, first, I want to talk about your personal physical security. You need to be observant and have your senses about you at all times. What does that mean? It means don't walk around staring at your cell phone or with your headphones plugged in on full blast. You need to be able to see and hear what's going on around you at all times. We have all seen or heard of stories of people running into lampposts and getting hit by cars because they're so absorbed with their cell phones. Don't be one of those people and don't make yourself a potential victim of crime because you're into your phone so much. Even when doing something as sensible as pumping gas, you should take a look around and check your environment. Crimes against people while pumping gas is actually a rather frequent occurrence, especially in large cities like Chicago. It happens a lot. Have your senses intact as well. Now is not the time to be drunk or high. It's the time to be able to react quickly, think clearly, and move with confidence. And you can't do this if your senses are dulled. If you have physical disabilities of any kind, be careful about where you go and when, so you don't put yourself into a situation where you can't get assistance. You need to be able to follow the military style of situational awareness, which is called the OODA loop, O-O-D-A, which means observe, orient, decide, and act. This is a way of determining what emerging threats are and creating a plan of action to deal with those threats. So you want to always observe your surroundings, be aware of who's there, what they're doing, what they look like, what activity is happening. Orient yourself. Let's say you're in a building. Where are the exits? Where is the water? Do you see fire extinguishers? What's blocking your path out if there's an emergency? And then if it comes to it, you need to decide what to do and you need to act. There's no time for freezing in a situation where your life hangs in the balance. Let's move on and talk about other things regarding your physical security. You want to limit your activity at night and in areas where there are not a lot of people around. Always, always have a means of defending yourself and be ready to act. 
Of course, avoiding conflict is the smartest thing to do in any situation. But if you can't escape it, and you have to fight, you need to be able to do so. So, concealed carry permit holders can carry firearms, and if you live in an open carry state, you're allowed to carry firearms on your person as well. Now, if you don't live in one of those states, if you can't carry a firearm, maybe having pepper spray or even having a rock to throw can help you. Now, you just want to be sure you're in compliance with your local laws, even though we have what's called the Second Amendment, but you don't want these little petty tyrants arresting you just for trying to protect yourself. So just be careful and acknowledge or be aware of the laws where you live. Now, of course, a word of caution about firearms. If you haven't trained or practiced how to engage threats with firearms, and you just ran out to get your very first firearm during this coronavirus panic, you may end up being a danger to yourself or others. You need to know what you're doing, and watching YouTube videos is not going to get the job done. If you live somewhere that limits your Second Amendment rights, you're going to have to be extra careful if it hits the fan. Criminals, of course, never have, and never will, give a damn about obeying gun laws. Gun laws only prevent civilized society from protecting itself. Criminals do not follow laws, so this is a lesson to all you politicians out there passing these laws. They are called criminals because they break laws. What else? Well, be as informed as possible during this time about activity that is taking place in your area. It's important to stay tuned to news reports, scanner feeds if you have a scanner, so if there's trouble happening, you know where and what is happening. This goes for activity by public servants as well as criminal activity. As I said in a previous podcast, if things get worse, it's the government you may have to worry about more than anything else. Avoid conflict or putting yourself in a position, situation, or location where conflict is possible. And disengage from people, places, and things that look like they are going to pose a threat or cause a conflict. Now that's your physical, personal security. You also want to take care of your family's security. Do your family members know how to protect themselves or get help when it's needed? If not, some simple training and role-playing can go a long way, especially with children. And here we're talking about calling 911 or other emergency numbers, how to get in touch with mom and dad, how to get in touch with other family members, trusted neighbors, or other relatives. For those unable to engage in self-defense, and even for those who can, teaching kids how to disengage a threat and meet up with others at a rally point is probably one of the smartest training sessions you can provide them with. Role-playing or asking the kids to walk through different scenarios would help. And now with the time that people have on their hands, it's a great time to practice this. Having a primary rally point, typically your home, but also a secondary and tertiary rally point. This is something that you need to establish with your family, where to go if they're out and there's a need to get together, where are you gonna meet? Where's your first place? Where's your second place? Where's your third place? Identify these rally points and have your kids walk through the scenarios. 
Also, it's important to have some cash on hand. And I would suggest enough to buy three or four meals for the entire family. It doesn't mean you have to eat every meal, but if you have enough money for that, that should sustain you for a little while. Plus the ability to rent a car or get a hotel for a couple of days. Having at least $300 in cash per person in your family is advisable, and you don't want to strictly rely on your debit card. There may be situations where people want or can only take cash, and if you have set that cash aside, you're going to be damn glad that you did when you fall into one of these situations. There's also situations where you may not want your transactions tracked. Cash is king. Every family member also needs a way to communicate with others. Now, obviously, almost everyone these days has cell phones, but it might be a good idea to have some walkie-talkies as well and a way to charge them. And having whistles are a good thing for alerting others to immediate threats. Again, now is a great time to take advantage of some downtime and closer family time to practice and train for what could be tougher times in the future. And I urge you not to wait until things get really bad, or you will have missed your opportunity. Next, I want to talk a bit about physical home security. Everyone understands that having lights on is a good idea, whether you're home or not. Having lights on and using light timers is just a smart thing to do because it is a crime deterrent. Sufficient lighting around your home at night is also advisable. With respect to your yard, if you have one, you need to have all of your bushes and hedges well-trimmed so you have an unobstructed line of sight around your entire yard. You don't want to encourage crime by providing criminals with hiding places, particularly near windows and doors. If you have a garden, you'll want to make sure it's protected from both people and animals, which means some fencing to prevent animals like deer from eating everything. But also, you might want to have a tripwire alert system to help wake you up in case humans are trespassing. These are easy to purchase. You can find them all over Amazon. Doors and windows must always be closed and locked unless you want or need fresh air and are able to observe open windows. Doors should always be locked. Now you also want to have a good alarm system that should be armed at all times when you are in your home. Finally, when it comes to protecting yourself in your home, you want to make sure that you are always strapped while you are in your home so you can respond to threats quickly. Now, I'm talking particularly in a situation where it's hit the fan and crime is spreading around rapidly in your area. Do you have time, really, to open a safe and load your weapon if there's chaos around and someone breaks down your door? You want to be ready to go. And for that matter, when I say ready to go, that means having an emergency exit plan as well. What is the best egress route out of your home in an emergency? Are you able to get out and down from windows if doors are unavailable? So when you're designing your threat response plan, you need to know what to do, where to go, and how your family should react. So where do you send the wife and kids? What do they do? Who do they call and when? All of this needs to be worked out now and not later. The next item I want to talk about is your bug out contingency plan. If it gets so bad 
that you have to leave and relocate somewhere with your family. You need to know when it's time to go. So this is going to vary for a lot of people depending on their personal family situations, what resources they have available, and what types of cities they live in. You'll have to think carefully about when to leave, not just based on your resource usage, but also I'm talking about specific time of day or night. Traveling at night probably isn't going to be the best idea, but it may be in certain situations. Where do you go? Do you have a cabin? Do you have friends or family you can stay with? A place to camp, perhaps? What should you take? You really should have all of your key supplies already mapped out and ready to go, in backpacks, bins, boxes, whatever you need for your vehicle, or for your backpack if you're going to leave on foot. How do you get to your bug out location? Which routes do you take? Well, I think most people would probably guess it's best to avoid major thoroughfares if a lockdown happens and there's complete chaos. These major routes will be blocked by police or National Guard in a serious emergency. And in fact, we see this happening in some cities already. If you can't get to your bug out location by taking side streets or trails, then you need to rethink how to get to your bug out location. These are many things to consider when preparing your home and family for emerging threats. But there are many more that I'm sure all of you have thought about or might think about, but this is a starting point. Hopefully, you've been working on these things over the last several years, as so many people have. If not, I suggest you get cracking. And with that, I'll leave you with a quote of the day from Cody London. Over the years, Americans in particular have been all too willing to squander their hard-earned independence and freedom for the illusion of feeling safe under someone else's authority. The concept of self-sufficiency has been undermined in value over a scant few generations. The vast majority of the population seems to look down their noses upon self-reliance as some quaint, dusty relic entertained only by the hyper-paranoid or those hopelessly incapable of fitting into mainstream society. Thank you, and good night.